0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Good morning. How y'all doing? I told you I'd thin the crowd out. (laughs) That's okay, though. Welcome to everybody that's watching online. You have to, unless you want to just turn it off, you can't leave, so... So I thought I'd share something real quick this morning, <laughs> something to maybe make you smile, because you're going to need it. Uh, when we were, in <laughs> we were in Tennessee, we were in Gatlinburg, which is it's like a big tourist thing. And so Kathy wanted me to, she'd seen it online, and it's like one street, it's like an old German, old German town. So we're walking through there, and there's a Celtic store. So having a Celtic background, I thought, hmm, I'm going to go in and I'm going to see what this is all about. And so I ended up buying something that had the uh, Dunn coat of arms on it. So I'm looking around, and there's a, a rack sitting here. It's got these little books. And these little books have names on them. And it's a history of your, of your ancestors, So I looked at both of mine, because I'm Scottish and uh, and English on my mom's side and then Irish and English on my dad's side. So I look at Don and I see everything it reads about it, and some of it was good, some not so good. And so I read Skelton, which is my mom's maiden name, and I looked all of that up, and that's all the quote marks. So I'm just kind of browsing around, and I turn around, and I mean, it's at eye level right in that rack. It's the name McFarlane. <laughs> and so I thought, hmm, well, maybe I should buy the. <laughs> and then I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. <laughs> and it said, pick it up. <laughs> so I did. And so i had been hearing Pastor Sean, you know, he talked about his ancestry. I thought, hmm, maybe I'll find something interesting for him. And so I'm reading it, it 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 said you were very fierce people. I mean, they were very loyal people, very fierce people. But it said that one of their greatest attributes... And one of the things that they were known for the most and they had a very high degree of efficiency in was stealing cows. (laughs) So I say that to say this. If he ever invites you over for a barbecue or if he ever starts talking to you about buying cows, (laughs) I love you, man. I I had to share. It. I had to share that. I'm not going into the cattle business with you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I told you you needed a good laugh because we're going to talk about and wrap up on discipleship, and I had to figure out how to take about 15 pages of notes and go <clears throat> with it. So I did that. Hopefully. So, the first, really, there are two things I wanted to say real quick before we get started and go any further. We talked, I remember I said last week about how um, people are more ready and willing to follow signs and wonders than they are to be a disciple. Now, don't get, get out of here with the impression that I think signs and wonders and miracles are not part of what we're doing because they are. They are. And they're part of what we're going to see. But if that's what you're basing everything on, then there's going to come a time when the signs and the wonders and miracles aren't there. And you're going to be treading water. Because you haven't taken the time and you haven't concentrated on what was important. And that's being in the word of God. That's being on your face before God and learning what it means to be a disciple. And a lot of times people won't do that because that's, that's not any fun. That's not any fun. That's not spectacular. Well, you're not reading the same word that I am. Because when you get into the word of God and God is speaking to you, through the word is spectacular. It's it's It's, it's exciting because you're seeing things that you've never seen before. Number two is this, discipleship. We start talking about discipleship. If you're a young, and and tune me in on this, if you're new in the Lord, I'm saying if if you're new in the Lord, you need to find somebody that will disciple you. Don't all show up at his front door asking him to disciple you. Find somebody that you know you can trust and be bold enough to say, would you disciple me? Would you help me? Would you mentor me? Now, don't just go out there picking anybody. Look at their life. Look at their fruit. Look at what they're about. Look at what they live, look at what they do, look at the fruit of their life, and you make your decision from there. Now, if you're an older person in the Lord, make yourself available. <laughs> make yourself available. Be ready. Be ready to be frustrated. Be ready to be, because that's what you're, you're working with somebody that's learning. And so you have to be ready, not just to disciple, but to be discipled, but to be someone who will disciple. Everybody needs a mentor. Every, I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been doing this, you need somebody besides your pastor. He plays his part in discipling you. But he can't be with you there all the time. He can't, he's not going to become coming knocking on your door and holding you accountable. And saying, don't do that, stop it, stop it, don't do that. He's not, that's not, no, you need somebody. That's true whether you believe it or not, I, I didn't get a lot of amens on that, but it's the truth. <laughs> Shoot, I, I was pushing 60 the last time I talked to one of my, my spiritual fathers that was still alive. And I was still asking him, he was 90, Pastor Brother Woods, and uh, it was his 90th birthday and so we had called him to wish him and right away in he asked me, what are you doing? How are you doing? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And I was still asking him because I was dealing with a lot in my our life right then, uh, Caroline was going through the, with cancer and everything, and I was I was talking with him about that, and and just burden He was one of the guys that I could unburden myself to. And uh, so, be, being a mentor and having a mentor is important. It's vital. All right, let's put that to bed. Matthew ten, verse thirty nine. This is a very simple verse. It's not one that takes a lot of debate. Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, this seems like a pretty simple statement, doesn't it? He who finds his life will lose it, And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That right there, folks, is the essence of discipleship. That is the center of discipleship. That is the launching point of discipleship. We're going to talk just about two things this morning, and that's it. Two things that happen to someone when they become a disciple. Number one, the first thing we're going to talk about is they discover a new identity. Number two, the second thing we're going to talk about is they discover and create new priorities. So let's talk about those this morning. First one, identity. A disciple discovers a new identity as he gives up his old one. 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Passion Translation says this and as I read this I thought wow this is part of a Bible reading just a a week or so ago (coughs) and the Passion says that this way now if anyone is enfolded into Christ he has become an entirely new person all that is related to the old order has vanished behold everything is fresh and new all that has to do with the old order has vanished. Identity. Identity is the condition of being a certain person or thing. It is a set of characteristics by which a person or thing is definitively recognized or known. It is the awareness that an individual or a group has a being has a being, a distinct and persisting entity. St. Augustine was one of the great early uh, writers, Christian writers, and before he became a Christian, he was quite a womanizer. And so shortly after he had become a Christian he was walking this down the street of the city and one of the prostitutes that he was known to spend time with was walking and she saw him and she said Augustine it is I now he hadn't been a Christian very long and he walked past her and said yes but it is not I What a powerful statement. See, that's what the world does. The world, hey, it's me, it's me. But your new identity says, yeah, but it's not I. It's not me anymore. This would include our old identity, our old life of sin, the power of the enemy, religious acts, or trying to please God by our own works. Our old relationship with the world, our old mindsets. We put off the identity of the carnal and we take on the identity of the eternal. Now, this is something you have to understand. Our new identity does not try to refurbish or reform the old identity, we are completely new by our union with Christ. When we come to Christ and we get our identity it's not it's not a refurbishing or it's not a restoring or it's not a making better of what we were. That's not how this works. It's a new union with Christ. It is a creation of a completely separate being. you ever go back and look at your life and look at what you were and then look at where God has has brought you and said, man, that seems like a whole lifetime ago. It was, it should be. New identity means new belief. New identity means new belief. Behavior will always follow belief. There's a story told of Alexander the Great, if you know anything of history, you know he, in his, his time, he, his army conquered most of the, the known world. There's a story told about him that he was, the, they were out in battle, or they were getting ready for battle, and he couldn't sleep. So he was up walking around the camp, and he walked up upon a young soldier that was on sentry duty. And the young soldier had fallen asleep. Now the penalty for falling asleep on guard duty in this army was death. I mean, sometimes they wouldn't even wake you up. They'd just pour kerosene on you and throw a match. And they'd burn you on the spot. So as Alexander the Great is walking toward this young soldier, the young soldier wakes up and sees him coming. (laughs) You can imagine. He knows what's coming. He knows his goose is cooked. So Alexander walks up to him and he says, You know the penalty for falling sloop on guard duty. And the young soldier said, Yes, I do. And Alexander asked the young man, He said, What is your name? The young man said, Alexander. And Alexander looked at him and said, Change your name or change your conduct? <laughs> change your name or change your conduct. See, that's what we're faced with as believers. We're we're saying I'm following Christ, then our conduct must line up with what we are saying with our mouth. See, that's part of... i got to hurry with this. That's part of the problem with us as believers today and as a church, is that we have said one thing, but our conduct has said something totally different. Oh, come on. You know, it's, don't look at me like that. Every one of us as believers have had that moment where what we say we are and what we do, they don't line up. But when you come to the place where you understand your identity... You understand that, that that's not me anymore. See, that's the part about being a, a believer that we forget is we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. We're going to stumble. But we have to be ready and willing to get up in the spirit and say, yeah, that's not me, though. I may have messed up there, but that's not me. So I'm not staying here. I'm moving forward. I'm moving on. So the first thing a disciple discovers is that he gets a new identity. Change your name or change your conduct. Wow. Second thing a disciple discovers and creates new priorities. A disciple will discover and create new priorities. What you once thought was important... No longer becomes important. Let's look at Luke. In, in Luke, now this scripture is just going to eat you up because it did me, and it still does every time I every time I read this this week. I'm like, oh Jesus, help, help me. Luke 14, verse 25. And we're going to read down through the 33rd, 30, yeah, 30, 33. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going into war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, I read that in several different translations and and versions and every one of them says the same thing. If you don't do these things, you cannot be my disciple. There's no wiggle room there. There's no room for, for debate. There's no room for any of that. If you're not willing to set new priorities that line up with the word of God and what Christ has set forth for you, you cannot be his disciple. Now, don't get mad at me. I didn't write this. This is what Jesus himself said. So if he said it, that's the way it is. That's how it is. So as we look at this, I want to deal with just four priority changes. We're going to go through these The first priority, I guess you could call a strange comparison. Jesus said first, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, if you look at this on the surface, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is, why would Jesus say, I have to love everybody, and then say, I have to hate everybody? Well, again, you have to look into the text and you have to understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying this, and and when he was writing this, he said, me, Jesus, and the word of God must become your first voice. Jesus and the word of God must become your voice above everything else. Now, if you look at that word hate in the Greek, it simply means this, prefer above or to prefer more. So really what Jesus was saying here, if you prefer father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, even your own life, if you prefer that more than you do me, you can't be my disciple. Being a disciple means that you come to the place, and you got to understand something. (laughs) When you decide you're going to be a disciple, there's a very good chance that you could have people come to you and say, well, you don't love me anymore. You don't like me anymore. You don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. But that's not the case. The case is you've just come to the place where Jesus is your first voice. And so no matter who it is, they cannot, I don't care, and and you can can see this. You you see it happen time and time again, especially with your family. Buckle up. When it comes to our family, there are people who put their family above God thinking that they're doing and they're being a good, a good mother or a good father or a good wife or a good husband. But if Christ is not, if you're putting that voice, the voice of your children or your wife or your spouse or your mom or your dad above the voice of Christ and the voice of the word of God in your life, you cannot be my disciple. Now, I know that's... <laughs> Boy, I wish you could see the way you're looking at me. <laughs> but this is the truth. Listen, folks, being as a disciple is not easy. Right. Coming to Christ was, was, was the best thing you could do, but that was the easy part of it. If you're going to really be a disciple, it's going to cost you. You're going to pay a price for it. So don't go into this thing thinking, I can, I can, I can be a disciple, but I can still... No, no, no. You're putting all of that other stuff behind you and aside. What did Paul say? He said, forgetting those things which are behind me. I press toward the mark. I will tell you right now, if you're putting any family member, any member, any relationship above Christ in your life, then Jesus said, you can't be my disciple. You won't be my disciple because I don't have the first voice. Those voices are always going to be competing and trying to retain their place as first voice. They're going to be there. I don't care what it is. I don't care who it is. They're going to shed tears. They're going to tell you, you don't love me anymore. You don't care about me anymore. You'd rather go to church than you would spend time with me. It's going to happen. They're going to tell you, you love Jesus more than you love me. And your answer must be, yes, I do doesn't mean you hate them. It doesn't mean that you don't care about them. But the importance that you place on Christ in your life, especially if you're a dad, you're supposed to be the high priest of your home. You're supposed to be the leader of your home. Your, your family is supposed to be able to look at you and hear you say, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. And how they, you, how they see you perceive Christ will be how they perceive Christ. If, I'm going here, help me, Jesus. If you can miss church for any reason that has to do with your family. You know what you're telling your family? You're more important than Jesus is. If you can haul your kids all over the country for, for sports tournaments, I don't care what it is. You know what you're saying? That thing is more important than Jesus. Do you mean you're placing that much, much importance on going to church? Absolutely I am. You better believe I am. Because what happens is you're saying, this thing has more importance than Christ in our lives. And then you wonder when they get older why they don't have any desire to come to the house of God. This has to be your first priority. Christ is the first voice. The word of God is the first voice. Everything else falls in line behind this. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) He becomes the first voice because you discover that he is worth it. I'm going to say that again. You, he becomes the first voice because you discover he is worth it and that you have found nothing more valuable than him. We get quiet. But it's the truth. That's why, and that's how he becomes the first voice and why he is the first voice. Let me ask you something. Have you met anybody in this life that has brought healing to your body? Have you ever bought? Anybody, I don't care who it is, any relationship you have that has done miraculous things for you. Uh, Have you met anybody and come in contact with anybody that gave their life and cleansed your sin? No. So why would that person have a, a higher voice in your life than the one who did that for you? Oh come on, this this I know this is tough. I know this is <laughs> this is hard to chew on. But this is what Jesus said. If I am not the first voice, you cannot be my disciple. You choose to follow him, but you discover, you, you discover that he's worth it and that you found nothing more valuable than him. So that's the question really you have to answer. Is there anything in my life, and I've, oh, my Lord, I've gone through this for the last month and a half, that the Lord's been de- dealing with me with this. Is there anything in my life that is more valued than Jesus? Who? When you walk away from a situation, the first thing that comes to your mind is, did I represent him well? Did I, did, was I a good disciple there? I cannot tell you, and I said it last year, how many times in the last month and a half, I've walked away from something, and the first thought that comes to my mind was, well, that was a good discipleship move. And most of the time, inside me, I'm going, yeah, no. No. Second thing. It's a daily crucifixion. Being a disciple means that you realize that the old things in my life don't need to be fixed. They just need to die. The old things in my life don't need to be fixed. They just need to die. I heard the story of, I don't know, if, how many of you have heard of Jim Elliott? Um, he was a missionary, and him and four other, three other missionaries, they went to, uh, in 1956, they went to Ecuador to reach the Aqua Indians. Nobody had ever taken the gospel to these people. And uh, in their first contact with these Indians, uh, they were keeping the, the um the families and people were in uh, Quito, which we've been to. They were keeping in contact with uh, these four missionaries by shortwave radio, and all of a sudden, all the all the uh, communication stopped, and there was no more communication. And uh, they took a plane and they flew over the river area where they. They uh, um, were supposed to be at, and as they flew over, they saw all four bodies of these missionaries floating in the river with spears, and they had been speared to death by these Indians. This tribe we made a movie out of it called "The End of the Spear." I don't know if you've seen it, but um, so they went to to these missionaries families and wives, that they had to tell them they, they died. And uh, they went to Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and I don't know, she's a great, great Christian writer. She wrote so many wonderful books. And they told her that he, he had died. And she said, no, he didn't die. He didn't die there. And they thought she was in shock or just in denial. And they kept telling her, no, no, he, we, we saw their bodies. He's dead. And they, she kept saying, it, no, he didn't. He didn't die. And finally, she stopped them and she said, Jim did not die there. He died in an altar in Wheaton years before that. That's where he died. J.M. was the one who, who, who uh, uh, coined the words, he is no fool who will lose that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Discipleship is a daily crucifixion. The New Living, in the New Living Translation, Galatians 2.20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Living Bible says in Romans six eleven through 13, so look upon your old sin nature as dead and unresponsive to sin and instead be alive to God. Alert to him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do not let sin control your puny body any longer. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinning, but give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death and you want to be tools in the hand of God to be used for his good purposes. God will never bring the old improved you into your new destiny. He will only bring the new you. God's not going to bring your old old man into your destiny. He's going to bring the new one. Watchman Nee said this. God sets us free from the dominion of sin, not by strengthening the old man, not by helping him do anything, but by removing him from the scene of action. There's nothing about your old flesh and your old way of living that God will bring into your new life. It won't happen. Dying to self is simply saying this. I'm not the most important person in the world. Jesus is. I am amazed. As you go through, especially on, you see it on social media so much. People are all about. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what I need. What I, I need me time. I hate that phrase. <laughs> Show me here where Jesus said you need me time. I don't think you're going to find it. Because being crucified, they we got this crazy idea about crucifixion and about taking up our cross. Taking up your cross is not having to deal with that crazy aunt of yours, or that crazy mother-in-law, or that crazy. That's not your cross. Bearing your cross is not having to deal with the fact that Mazebo Coffee got your order wrong. That's not your cross. Your cross is not, oh, I have to deal with this, this all this mental, all this. that's not your cross. Your cross is the lifestyle that you take up When you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, that's your cross. It's living the the life that you know Jesus. It's going back, Jesus being the first voice. That's the cross that you pick up. That's the cross you put yourself on every day. That's the cross you put that stinking flesh of yours on every day. Because if you don't, Jesus said, you can't be my disciple unless you take up that cross unless you take up that way of living that lifestyle the lifestyle that Jesus lived picking up and living the way that Jesus lived being able to say Satan he has no he has no influence over me Nothing the enemy does has no influence over me. Nothing sin has no influence over me. I don't, I don't, don't, I'm not, I'm not a sinner saved by grace anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm redeemed. The old man has died. And there's a new man living in his place. Gotta hurry. Dying to self is simply saying, I'm not the most important person in the world. Jesus is. The next thing, the next uh, thing, and the next priority that comes is it's a, it's a calculated construction. What am we saying? It's saying you're building a life for the glory of God regardless of what it would cost me. Jesus didn't just say, you have to hate, and you you can't prefer anybody else above me. He said, you can't even prefer your own life above me. (laughs) You can't even prefer your own life above me. When Cortez went to Mexico and he went to, to discover Mexico. When he and his men got off the boats there on the shores of Mexico, and they got all their, their belongings and all their, everything that they needed off the boats, Cortez gave the command, and every boat that they came on was burned. They burned the boats. What was he saying? He ain't going back. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, you knew one thing about a man carrying a cross. You knew he wasn't coming back. See, when we start to build our lives on the Lord, basically that's what we're doing in the spirit is we're burning the ships. We're saying, you know, there's no way to go back. Hebrews eleven fifteen and 16, and the passion says this, and if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. But they couldn't turn back, for their hearts were fixed on that which was far greater, that is, the heavenly realm. It will mean hard decisions. It will mean hard separations. It will mean hard opposition. If you're not facing opposition in your walk with Christ, you're not doing it right. I am just sharing that with Joy this morning. We were talking. If you're if you're not if if if. <laughs> If you're just breezing through this thing, you're not doing it right. I had a preacher tell me one time, as early in my ministry, he told me this. He said, You've you got to get yourself ready and prepared because there's a lot of big devils out there you haven't met yet. This is another reason for discipleship. Because I don't care where you are in your walk with Christ and whether you're you're called into ministry and you know you've got a ministry, there still has to be that time where you come away and you let and you get discipled and you get your teaching. If Paul thought it was important enough, then it has to be the same with you and I. If you're called into any type of ministry, the the the, the <laughs> Man, the hunger, the, the, the drive is there. Let's go. Let's do this. But you got to remember something about it. There's a lot of big devils out there that you haven't met yet. And when he told me that, I was like, what? He said this, and he said this. He said, because the devil only knows you as well as Jesus knows you. And I'm like, but I took that to heart. And boy, it, it's come to pass. If I faced then what I' faced now, without the training that I received, without sitting under the mentorship of five, four or five wonderful men of God that God brought into my life that loved me enough to say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." They would speak prophetically to me and say, "Stop it. Don't do that in different ways. Or they would show me. They would say, What about I'm Brother Kennedy? He was, he was such a wonderful man. He was, he was uh, the assistant superintendent of, of uh, the Wyoming district. And man, he took me under his wing when I first got in ministry. He was so gracious. And he had a way, he would say, Man, that was a great message you preached. That was great when you, but he said, Did you ever think about looking at it like this? And he would He would turn and and get me thinking about, "Wow," and I would look back and I'd go, hmm, probably shouldn't have said it that way." <laughs> but he was never like, "You knucklehead you didn't read that right no he would he was so gentle. and i and I had others that would just <laughs> my dad <laughs> I remember one time. I, I was beside myself, so I called him, and I was just, about, my, about I was pastoring about church. I was ranting and raving. And he just listened. I never said much. So he said, he said, I want you to do something. And he said, I want you to go read, it was a verse in Proverbs. He said, I want you to go read this, and then I want you to call me back and we'll talk. <laughs> That's how I read it. And I was ready, you know, for some great nugget of wisdom. You know the scripture he had me go read? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. <laughs> so, what was he telling me? He was telling me the same thing, only he was saying, you know what? You need to just get it together. Quit being a baby. Grow up. You're a preacher. You're a pastor. That's your flock. Quit your whining. So I don't know what that has to do with any of this, but hard opposition. You're going to face opposition. Oh Lord, I'm I'm way over. I'll stop at this. William Borden. He was uh, heir to the to the Borden family. Remember Borden Milk, Borden Dairies. You know. They had milk, ice cream, all that. When he was a graduated from high school, he was a multimillionaire. How'd you like that, kids? Graduate from high school and be a multimillionaire. His his graduation present from his family was a trip around the world. I got a '56 Chevy. But as he was, he was, he was, I gotta hurry, I'm done. But as he was on his trip, God began to speak to his heart about missions and being a missionary. And so he went back and walked away from all of his inheritance and started, went to Yale University. But as he, we started on this journey and God called him into the missions. He opened his Bible and in the back of his Bible, he wrote, no reserve. In other words, I'm giving everything I have. I'm not holding anything back. And so then, he gets and gets through Harvard, Harvard went to Yale and he graduated. So he's getting offers from different companies because of of his name. He's getting offers for multi-million dollar salaries and he turned it all down because he knew he wanted to be a missionary. So at that time in his life, he opened his Bible again and under no reserve, he wrote no retreat. And so he finished his study and he went to India to to finish his training to be able to go to China as a missionary. While he was in India, he uh, contracted cerebral meningitis, and within a month he died. Died before he ever got to the mission field. But before he died, he opened his Bible again, and in the back, under no reserve. And no retreat, he wrote, no regret. Never never got to what he was supposed to do. Never, Never got to be a missionary. But he lived his whole life saying, I'm giving everything to God. I'm not holding anything back and I will not go back to what I was. And regardless of what happens to me, there will be no regret. That is discipleship. That's discipleship. No reserve, no retreat, and no regret. So, God's called us. This is our call, folks. This is what God's calling us to. As we see souls saved, as we see the volume of souls and the harvest that's going to come in, that's what God is calling us to as a church. To be disciples and to make disciples, it's hard, but there's no regret with it. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.